Welcome to How to Trade It, The Road to Trading Mastery. Join Casey Stubbs, a seasoned trader, as he guides you to become a profitable trader. Find actionable insights, real-life stories, and strategies to boost your trading skills. Don't miss the journey to trading victory. Start listening now. Connect with us at podcast at tradingstrategyguides.com. Trading profits are just an episode away. The How to Trade It podcast is all about making our listeners successful at trading. When you listen to real people sharing their stories of how they overcame their own trading failures, it connects you to a level of enlightenment that you can't get from education alone. These stories contain wisdom and actionable tips that will make you a better trader. Listen to each episode and become the successful trader that you want to be on the How to Trade It podcast. Hey everyone, this is Casey Stubbs with the How to Trade It podcast. And here today I'm with Serge Berger from The Steady Trader. Thanks for being on the show, Serge. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you. And as I was telling you earlier, that you have the distinction of being the first return guest on the show. You were one of the first guests. So I thank you for coming on when I was just getting started. And now I thank you for coming back several years later. I'm honored. Thanks for having me. (laughs) So since it's been quite some time, why don't you let us know what you've been up to and what's going on in your world these days? Well, I think last time we spoke, the market was in a very different place than it is right now. You know, in-house, what we've done is we've started a management company as well, an RIA. So we manage money for not just the institutional side, but also for retail now. And just trying to do as much as we can to really kind of give back and try to keep people out of danger. (laughs) Because as you know, in the markets, there's always uh, something silly you can do. So we try to steer people away from that as much as possible. And on the education side, just trying to be really giving people sort of a teaching them how to take the higher road, look at things more holistically as opposed to just drawing a line on a chart and calling that analysis. And that's kind of been the main focus really so in the broad sense. Oh, well, that's pretty cool. I So when you said that you're doing a management company, what exactly does that mean? Can you break that down a little bit? Well, so the, our investment management company, it's Blue Marlin Advisors, and it's what's called an RIA, a registered investment advisory company. That's like where you go to get your money managed. It's the typical, that's sort of the US-based uh-huh. Investment management company. Yeah. And so, you know, what we do is we manage people's money and different strategies that we have. A lot of them are sort of more beta, alpha generation kind of focuses with very low correlation to the broader market. You could call some of the strategies hedge fund esque in the sense that it's really about hedging and getting, you know, very low correlation to the broad market. And, you know, I don't know how you see it, but to me personally, if I look at the broader sort of equity market, I feel that uh, for the next five to 10 years, it's not going to go like this anymore. I think we're in a very different environment. So we're seeing a lot of people are very interested in understanding that things don't just go up 15% a year in the S&P, but there are periods of times when we're happy if we got a 2 to 5% return a year for 5 to 10 years. And that, I think that's kind of where we've gotten to right now. Oh, okay. And then when you had something about an alpha type strategy, what does that mean specifically? Yeah. Well, there's alpha and beta. So when you look at beta, that's essentially just kind of index funding, right? Buying your ETF or your mutual fund and kind of riding the market, hopefully higher over time. What we try to do is have more of an alpha generation, which is absolute return. So we're trying to beat an index, but of course, if the index rallies 30% a year, 
you don't want to try to beat that. That's about as good as a game. So we try to minimize volatility as well. So if we can get ahead, uh, you know, ahead of the indices or with much less volatility, that's really kind of like a typical hedge fund goal as well, really, for the most part. We just do it through an RIA, which means that people, whether they're high net worth or not high net worth or institutional for that matter, can invest with us. Is this available to retail investors? Yeah, it's an. that's why we went that route. I mean, we thought long and hard about, do we want to start an ETF? Do we want to just go the hedge fund route? But we thought, well, like I was telling you before, and I think we talked about this last time as well, like my big thing is transparency to the retail, to anyone really, whether it's retail or high net worth or whatever. And the most regulated and the most in terms of where you have a fiduciary responsibility to the client, it really is through an RIA, Registered Investment Advisory. You have to work not only fully transparent, but also really in the in the client's best interest. So, which can't be said for a lot of the other structures, unfortunately. No, very true. Yeah, very true. So it's good to do your research and dig in deep and find out what's going on. So with this management firm, are you uh, responsible for the actual trading or how does that work? Yeah, so we do the research, we execute the trade, we advise, of course, that's all part of it. So, you know, some people come and they only do, and they want more just like for us to look at their portfolio a few times a year, right? So, and then it's more like a pure advisory role, and then they execute themselves. And some people want to come in and they just literally open up the account with the big brokerage firm that we're account sort of uh, linked up to. And then it's like having your own broker account. You see it, you know, it's right there. You have full access to it. We just execute trades through all the accounts. Just again, typical RIA stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty good. So how would the listeners find out more information about that? This company is bluemarlinadvisor.com, bluemarlinadvisor.com, and you can check that out. But I think, you know, like one of the things, and I know you do a great job in the podcast, you know, helping, educating people. I think it's just what's really important, particularly in this day and age, is the transparency and making people understand sort of the pitfalls of sometimes it's more of the trading oriented folks that are willing to go out way on a limb. And they're not even really aware that they're going way out on a limb in terms of risk, right? So that's really the general theme we try to broadcast, whether it's through the money management company or of course, on the education side and the study trader side. So you're on the trading education side right now, you're working hard at teaching the traders about risk. What types of things are you doing? What are you sharing with them and showing them how to do? Yeah. You know, through the lens of education on the Steady Trader, which is the SteadyTrader.com, we pretty much everything goes through like an investment or trade alerts. And what we really try to, to make clear, even though we send direct trade alerts, where to get in, where to get out, very detailed stocks, ETFs, and options. I really try to make clear to people that, you know, when we send out a trade like that, it's not just based off of a simple chart that we come across and there's a breakout or something. I mean, that might be part of it, but the research really is much more holistic. It's top down. We look at macro factors, we look at correlation factors, we look at structural things in the market, factor exposures, all sorts of stuff. And then of course you can look at the chart, right? So that's really kind of what I think is important in terms of transparency and making people understand that there's a lot of factors to take into account when you look at a trade. And if you just look at a single factor model, meaning looking at a 50 day moving average and calling that a trade, you know, your odds dramatically get reduced over time. And are you, do you primarily focus on indexes or do you trade equities as well? Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of equities. It's a lot of indices, ETFs. The beautiful thing for the, whether it's retail or non-retail, even institutionals, like you can nowadays, I mean, it's not new, but it's getting better every year with ETFs because of the great liquidity. You can basically trade almost every asset class, not every, but a lot of asset classes and a lot of different sectors. So we will 
getting exposure to commodities and even currency sometimes with an ETF where it makes sense. And of course, all the different sectors in the equity space and groups and growth and value and different countries, right? Emerging markets and this and that, fixed income even. Yeah. So that's a lot of stuff to look at. And for someone getting started, I think that would be very overwhelming because there's you know just so much. So what do you recommend for people that are looking to get into either picking a company to manage for them or manage their own money? What do you recommend that they get started with? I think you have to pick a spot. For some people, people are wired differently, right? So some people like to just pick up a book or a PDF or something where they talk about, let's say, technical analysis, which is a great starting point. Other people like to go the fundamental analysis route, where they start looking at some fundamental analysis. Some people look at more like how does market structure work, flows, right? When mutual funds, you know, risk or de-risk based on different factors, that gets a bit more complicated as an entry point, but you can do that as well. So it depends a little bit. What I found is a lot of people start technically, unless they come from a research background and they start with charts. What I think is important, though, is to, to understand that, that while that's a good starting point, it's not everything. There are other factors have to be taken into account, but you get quite far with a chart. Right. So that is a good starting point is to get set up with charts and really learn how the good technical analysis is. What types of stuff do you recommend people look at for fundamental things? Like what kind of data is important? Because you could look at so much. There's so much data out there. No doubt. And that really depends on your time frame, right? So if you're an investor as opposed to a trader, the fundamental analysis is going to be much more balance sheet focused, right? What's the debt to equity ratios, all those kinds of things, you know, debt to sales, a lot of that kind of stuff. If you're more proactively focused, you know, you might look at rate of change in the top line or the bottom line. Usually it's the top line, right? Then you can just kind of trend follow something like a Netflix over the years or Amazon where the top line, you know, growth, the sales and an increasing rate of change. That's the important thing. And I might add something there if you don't mind quickly be mentioning that. Sure. I think, you know, one of the most valuable things that I learned over the years is if you have a stock, let's take Amazon, for example, because I think everyone knows it and everyone knows the chart, what the chart over time has looked like. And a lot of people, myself including, find it very difficult to stay long, to keep owning a stock when it does this. In fact, I'm by nature a fader of those kind of moves. I very quickly get sort of, you know, I guess cold feet, if you will, when something goes parabolic. And parabolic is different from just having a nice incline. But if you look at this from a simple I guess, fundamental perspective, very sort of primitive look at it. If your sales continue to increase at an accelerating rate, right? So if you have sales of 100 million in year one and sales of uh, 120% in year two, now you have a 20% increase. But if you then go to sales of 200 million, the third year, you continue to grow at an increasing rate, an accelerating rate. You can stay long that stock forever until it stops growing at a rate of change terms. So and I know that maybe I don't know if that's too technical, but that's a really important point that I've learned over time. Okay. I like that a lot. So so just trying to wrap my mind around it, one of the fundamental things that you think is really important is the growth rate of the company. And if they continue that rate, then it's definitely worth holding as long as the growth with the company, the revenues and things like that. Well, the growth has to accelerate. It's not just stay. Like so if you're growing at twenty percent a year. At some point, the costs might catch up. You want to grow at an accelerating rate, right? Okay. So it's like an options terminology. It's a second derivative. It's like this is may not be apples to apples, but it's like the gamma, right? It's like the rate of change has to be higher. If you're growing at 20% every year, that's not good enough. You have to start growing at 30%, 40% in this particular scenario of a trend following sort of model, if you will. Yeah. This is an equity example. 
And at some point, that just has to stop because at some point it stops for forever. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, in the case of an Amazon or a Netflix, it's seemingly been a long-term trend, and it happens. You know, secular growers like that. But what I have found is that a lot of industries don't grow at an accelerating rate for at such a steady pace. They will have much bigger drops. So if you take something that's more like a bit more of a niche industry, like I, don't know, I can't think of anything right now, like something smaller, 3D printing, random example, hell of a growth industry over time, I still think. Then now we're talking about you know having these printers, they exist where you can literally print like metals, like they put a block of metal in a printer and it prints out like a whatever, some sort of a car widget. It's ridiculous, right? Uh, anyway, but that's more of a niche thing. It's not like Amazon or Netflix where everyone's either you know using it every weekend or using it every day in the case of Amazon. I think you have more fluctuations in that kind of a thing because it's a more of a niche type of thing, if you will. Whereas Amazon and Netflix can blanket everything. Right. And so if you're an individual trader, those types of moves can really shake you out if you're not familiar with how to manage your risk and how to enter into the trades at the right time. So timing is probably another big factor in some of these. I think timing is a factor. And I was going to say this whenever the time comes, I think this might make sense here. And I think one of the biggest challenges is to keep your time frame right. So you know, you might be a day trader. And if you look at the fundamentals of a company, if you're bullish for a day trade for 30 minutes, <laughs> you're comparing apples to horseshoes, right? But I think everyone understands that. But if you're, let's say, long a swing trade, let's say you buy Netflix because you think it's a great company, you would hold it for the next few weeks or a couple of months, it does not matter at all how much debt the company has. The fundamentals are completely irrelevant. You're looking at a swing trade, which might be moving for completely different factors. Hell, there may be a short squeeze in the stock for all I know. But if you're looking to invest in the company for the long term, you look at fundamentals, you look at rates of change and growth, and based on that analysis alone, you're looking to put on a trade for two days. Again, you're comparing completely different timeframes that are, I think, is one of the biggest mistakes people make as investors and traders is not sticking to the timeframe that your analysis pertains to. Yeah, that's a really good point. And if you're trading on a larger time frame, you got to give yourself more time for the, your trade to play out. Whereas a day trader, they're really just trying to get in and out very quickly. And different factors, right? Different factors affect it. So your day trade, I mean, who cares if your whatever your debt is increased or whatever, who knows, whatever some, let's say, corporate action kind of thing. It just doesn't matter for a day trade. It doesn't matter for a swing trade. There's so many other factors that could matter for a swing trade that don't matter for an investment. So that's why I usually, you know, we operate in three buckets. In our on the investment on the research side and the trade alert side, where there's a day trading bucket, bucket one, swing trading bucket is your bucket two. That's your multi-day to multi-week time frame. So we usually say two days to three, four weeks at most on the swing trading. And then bucket three is your I'm gonna it's usually at least two months plus, two months to multiple quarters to multiple years to really make that clear distinction in the time frames. We're taking a short two-minute break for a hand-picked message from our sponsor, DreamTrades.com. This is a special offer available only for the listeners of the How to Trade It podcast. Do you have a plan for your financial future? Do you have enough money for the things you need to do? I bet if you're like most people, you don't have enough money saved for retirement right now. Am I right? Well, investing in stocks may be the answer you're looking for. Dream Trades Monthly Alerts makes it super easy for beginners and those who simply just don't have the time or the desire to spend hours researching what stocks to trade. Dream Trades Monthly Alerts removes the guesswork from which stock to pick by providing you with a monthly in-depth analysis of a very high-profile stock. The research is done for you. You get in-depth 
research a full report each and every month. And in the last year, Dream Trades has gotten 100% return on investment for everyone following the reports. Because you're a listener of the How to Trade It podcast, we're giving you a code for $25 off a one-year subscription. Check it out at dreamtrades.com. All you got to do is click on monthly alerts and use the coupon code podcast to get the $25 off. Again, just go to dreamtrades.com and select monthly alerts, then use the coupon code podcast. So are you actively involved in all three buckets and do you have a strategy for total portfolio regarding each one? Like, is there a smaller percentage in the day trading than in the, maybe the long term? Exactly. So bucket one is the smallest allocation we have, right? Then bucket two is larger and the third investment one is by far the largest. I mean, this is, I think also something we really try to make clear to the retail community is that, you know, everyone's kind of chasing shiny objects. As one of my colleagues likes to say, everyone has that shiny object chasing syndrome. What they forget, and this is uh, empirically proven, not certainly by me, but it, there's a research paper on this and, and it's just known and it's a fact that you're going to make your money. The majority of your money is going to come for the investment time frame, the bucket three, the multi-month, multi-quarter stuff. Being in the right, being allocated to the right asset class or the right parts of the market, if you focus on equities, is dramatically more important than being in the right stock. Particularly if you talk about, yeah, I guess so. I don't know if that makes sense, but there's a lot of research on that. It's actually called, there's a term for it. I can't remember right now. Now, your point about being in the right asset class rather than being in the right stock, what exactly does that mean? Well, so very important point, right? So let's keep it simple to sectors. Let's say the financial sector, the banks, insurance companies are not performing so well at the time because maybe there's a regulatory thing. Maybe the yield curve is getting flatter, meaning interest rates are going down the back end, whatever. For whatever reason, let's say financial not doing so well. You could be in whatever stock you want in that sector for the most part. And I'm exaggerating a little bit, but for the most part, and you probably wouldn't do very well. So, but let's say energy stocks are doing well for some reason, right? Maybe there's a, again, maybe oil is doing well. Maybe there's a supply issue. There's a demand story, whatever, right? You could buy almost anything. And again, I exaggerate a little bit in the energy sector and you would do just fine. Right. So individual stock picking for the average investor is a lot less important than being allocated to the right asset class. I got you. So in that situation, is there not ETFs or something that is basically each asset class and you could take your money from ETF to ETF? Exactly. And that's actually one of the things. So we have both a trade alert service on this that we manage the steady trader side. And also at Blue Marlin Advisors, we actually have a strategy we call a tactical asset allocation, where it's literally that. It's basically a bunch of ETFs that we rotate in and out of, switching an allocation from, like I said, financials into energy, or maybe it's from energy into high yield or whatever, bonds or whatever, right? It's finding where the best sort of reward to risk is, or maybe the best momentum, if for lack of a better term. Okay. And what is the process for that? Is that just uh, chart-based or is it done based off of research? You think, oh, this new industry is coming out and I want to get in on this because there's a lot of opportunity in this brand new industry type thing. Yeah. A lot of it's the basis for the analysis always starts on the macro level. So top down, as we call it, right? So you look at things like global growth, global rates of inflation or country specific. To some extent, there could be a regulatory thing sometimes, depending if it's maybe like a stock sector. Of course, you look at charts. Charts will kind of confirm or not confirm what you're thinking. 
seasonality sometimes can even be an influence, right? Right. The list goes on and on, but kind of bringing it sort of full circle to the point earlier, you know, as a starting point, you actually can start just learning how to read charts. I think one distinction I would make, though, is that the longer date of the chart within limits, the more relevant the chart becomes. So if you're looking at charting of a very small company, let's say a company that has $2 billion in market cap, and you're looking at it on a a multi-day basis, multi-month basis, the chart historically becomes a lot less important because it's a lot more erratic. But you're looking at a Netflix stock or a Walmart stock, and you look at it through a multi-year lens, or at least a multi-month, multi-quarter lens, the odds of that chart working out to do what you think it might do are a lot higher. Right. Yeah. Now, I would say also a little bit of a flip side to that, and it would take a lot more research rather than just going by industry. But usually if you group of, if the whole industry is going up, let's just use, set and mention Walmart. So let's just use retail as an example. You've got all the, a group of 20 retailers. There's going to be a couple in that group. If the industry is going good, they're all going to be going up. But there's going to be a couple in that group that are going to outperform the rest. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Couldn't agree more. I was trying to say that before. I didn't quite articulate it. That's a great point. I think for the average investor, that's why I say average investor, trying to find those two shiny rocks on a shiny hill is virtually impossible over time. You might get lucky, but on average, that endeavor is not worth your time and usually not worth the risk. What we will do in in that portfolio, again, we do both on a trade alert service and on the money management side, what we will do is we'll sprinkle in a few individual stocks. So let's say we like uh, the retail industry, right? So you might belong in ETF in that sector, or it's actually not a sector, it's a group of stocks. But in addition to that, we may sprinkle in a little bit of Walmart, a little bit of Amazon, whatever, just to kind of add the potential for upside a bit more if we're right. But you're right. There are going to be, and vice versa, by the way, you could, and that's the risk, right? Because you bring that up, it's a great point. So let's say you like uh, retail, and let's say you buy Walmart because you that. You say, that's your story. You buy Walmart because you're long, re- you like retail. It's an obvious choice. But let's say the entire sector goes up or all the other stocks, but Walmart for some reason has something happens. Right. Delivery issue, accounting irregularities. I'm, I'm not you know, making any statements here, but just a right. random example. Well, that's going to suck because all the other retails are going up because of fundamental reasons, but you're in that one dog that got caught. Right. That is pretty crappy. That's a good point. That's a very good point. Yeah. Absolutely. So basically, looking at the asset class as a whole eliminates the risk of picking the wrong choice. Eliminates. I think that's really the point, right? Yeah. And, yeah. So it's just, I think, and people can research and again, I forgot what it's called, but it's if you Google something like asset class allocation, those three words probably will get you close enough to some research papers on that kind of stuff. And you can go and look how empirically unbelievably important it is to be in the right asset classes. Like I'll give you an example. For the past, I think it's not the past, let's call it 10 years. If you would have literally done five trades, five trades over the past 10 years, like five asset allocation moves, you would have outperformed just about any possible trader, hedge fund, whatever, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 fold, right? Let's say you would have bought Biotech. And that's not one stock. That's an allocation. Maybe you would have bought some Bitcoin, God forbid, right? Because you were just that, that was your thing. Yeah. Literally, five, I think it's five trades over 10 years, and you would have annihilated everyone else. Now, of course, you had to pick those five, but the point is a lot of people overtrade. So, this five, is this a realistic research that you did on some, or is this your trading? This was a research report that I read that talked about this. Uh, yeah. Fascinating.
Hello, this is Casey, and I wanted to take a minute to tell you about my new book that just came out. It's called Complete Trading System. This is my 25 years of trading experience, sharing everything that I have learned in how to make a profit from the markets. You're going to learn about how to find the right instruments to trade, how to find a trend, how to get started as beginners. You're going to learn about how to get the right mindset, and you're going to be able to put it all together to create a trading system of your own that will work for you. I highly recommend that you try it out. Just click the link right now. It's called Complete Trading System. It's available on Amazon. Thank you. Go ahead and check it out. I think you're going to love it. No, that's a great point. Over trading and trying to get in and out. And the thing that really gets me is the time, right? You're going to sit there and trade all day and do all this research. And literally you could trade once every six months or something <laughs> and do better. Like to me, the time is your time's got to be more valuable than that. Well, it gets back to the three buckets. That's why we have yeah. a three bucket system. And I always tell people, listen, day trading for most people, you know, once they get it past a certain age, it becomes that most people don't want to sit in front of a computer all day long day trading. They don't mind doing research all day long, but it gets very tiring. And what happens with day trading is you fluctuations. And this, I'm not bad-mouthing day trading. We do day trading as well, but yeah. it's very focused on the amount of time. We focus on the morning for half an hour, hour. We do a lot of stuff overnight in the futures markets. That's a lot of something that's automated. But if you keep your time frame separate, it cures a lot of the problems. Like, for example, I'll give you a current example. We were, I was short some futures, like literally overnight. Was Nasdaq futures and it hit the profit target. That was again day trade, right? But at the same time, we had some bearish positions on from a swing trading perspective in like ETF. So it was nice to see the profit on the day trade, but the market went down for like two weeks at the time. This wasn't right now, this is like a few months ago, but the market continued going down for several weeks. So even though the day trade only made a little bit of money, in the, on the swing trade, we were able to capture much more of that move. So right. the point is, I wasn't trying to get back into that day trade 10 times in a row. Right. I was like, okay, that's fine because I'm still short in my swing trade. At the same time, you know, there were stocks inside of that swing trade ETF that we were long on the bucket three, the investment horizon. So I wasn't concerned about not being exposed on the long side from an investment horizon in those stocks. And then, because a lot of times what happens, let's say you short an ETF, but you like certain stocks within it. You're going to close the ETF short because you like a certain stock in it. So this way you're exposed in all directions, but in different timeframes. And it's also the three bucket approach dramatically reduces the volatility of your portfolio. Right. Yeah, that's definitely good. And so as far as managing the portfolio, do you take profit from your day trading if you make a certain amount. Let's say you're day trading bucket, you're really good at day trading and you're growing it a lot faster. Are you pulling profit out of that and then rolling that into the long term? Maybe keeping the your account capped or growing a little slower? Yeah, yeah. I think that's a good point. You can you should always try to rebalance. That's my thing. Again, this becomes a very personal thing. What I will tell you is that what I have found over time is that there are times of the year where you will make a lot more money in let's say your swing trading bucket, our bucket two. There are times of the year where you make a lot more money in your day trading bucket. 
and there are times of the year where you make a lot more in the long-term bucket. It just, for one of my best friends, I'll give you an example. One of my, not my best friends, but one of the best traders I know, I know him well enough. He's a commodities trader. He's in Germany. And he trades, I want to say three or four months out of the year. That's it. Because he knows in those three to four months a year, historically, he has the best odds of trading. And I think it's like March through June. I want to say I'm not something like that for the things that he trades. It's not just he trades a lot of different commodities and currencies, whatever, and equities. And so on. But that's it. And I'm dead serious. Come at some point midsummer, he is gone. He goes back to his island or wherever he goes to, and he doesn't even look at the markets. He doesn't. Now, he's now, I think, 70 years old. So there's a certain financial pillow there. Right. But still, he's done that for like 30 years now. It makes a lot of sense because if you trade three months and you do great, well, if the second three months you don't do well, you're just wasting your time. Again, trade when it's working. That's actually really smart. It's super smart. And like, I'll give you an example on a much more, on a tiny time from the hour bucket one. So we do something called a gap trade in the morning in the first like half an hour. We even have a chat room for that. I mean, we don't do this on the money management side because that's too, you don't day trade for yeah. investment management portfolio. It's crazy. But we do it for on the education side to the study traders. So we have a chat room there and we start talking about these open gaps, like a stock, let's say gaps up, like closes, opens up $10 higher than when it closed the previous day. So there's an opportunity for it to potentially mean revert back to the previous day's close or partially back, right? We know that that trade, the gap trade in general, works a lot better Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursdays than it does Monday and Friday. So on Monday and Friday, for the most part, we have a very ironclad rule. It says, listen, we're not even looking at this trade today. It's just not worth it. Right. Yeah. And so you just take the day off or you just find something else that day. You, well, you focus on your swing trade research, your investment research, which is really, you go to any successful hedge fund, unless they're like a day trading hedge fund, which that's not a hedge fund to me. That's a day trading shop. You walk into any hedge fund office, and I don't know if you've ever done that. It's quiet. Right. People are doing research. Right. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. There might be like one or two dudes that are executing trades, but they're just telling the broker what they want to do. They're not up in arms yelling. What's busy, if you watch like Wall Street. Right. Like, oh, I said, oh my God, it's so cool. You know, I used to watch Wall Street one, number one, the first one, the original one, the 87 with Bud Fox. I guess he was in both of them, right? Anyway, but, and I was like, oh, this is so cool. It's so busy and nervous. And then when I was in college, I didn't understand that that's the sell side, meaning in the investment bank. So that's what I wanted to do because I thought that's money management. And then I ended up going to JP Morgan and doing all that, right? And it's nervous and it's crazy and it's fun, but it's right. a young man's game. So, but then you go out to the buy side, which I ended up doing, and it's just quiet. You do research because you're managing money. You can't just, you know, the reason why the phone rings off the hook every two seconds is that Wall Street are calling you to place a trade for them, right? No one's calling you on the fund management side to place a trade with you. You're doing research to manage the money. Right. Yeah. Right. Because you're managing. Well, Serge, this has been really good. Thanks for having this conversation. I would like to ask you about anything that you had to give to our listeners, any way that they could reach out to you and find out more about what you're doing. Yeah. I mean, I think the best thing, we have an ebook that I think, and we talked about technical analysis before. So I think that's a great entry point. So it's the studytrader.com, the T-H-E, studytrader.com, S-T-E-A-D-Y, trader.com, forward slash patterns, P-A-T-T-E-R-N-S, plural. And we have an ebook you can get download for free, absolute free. It's called Top Performing Chart Patterns. It's some of our favorite chart patterns. Again, great way to start. And then the money management side, it's bluemarlinadvisor.com. Awesome. Well, we're going to have those links in the description. So if you're listening, you can just 
hook up your phone or computer or whatever and just check the description link and click that. But if you're not available to do that, you can just remember the link and go to thesteadytrader.com slash patterns and get it there. And uh, it looks like a great ebook. I'm going to be checking it out myself because I can always benefit by learning more patterns. <laughs> Let me know if you have any questions. I will. I definitely will for sure. So again, thanks for being on the show. And I highly recommend that everyone listening go check that out. You're going to learn a lot. So thank you, Serge. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the How to Trade It podcast. Our mission is to help you create security in the markets. If you have a question you want me to ask my guests or a specific question you have for me, please email me at podcasttradingstrategyguides.com. I answer every email I get because this show is about helping you learn how to trade it. So again, please reach me at podcast at tradingstrategyguides.com. Thank you. for tuning in to another insightful episode of How to Trade It with Casey Stubbs. We hope you found today's discussion valuable and inspiring. Remember, the road to trading mastery is a continuous one, and your commitment to learning and growing as a trader is the key to your success. If you have any questions, comments, or topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes, please reach out to us at podcast at tradingstrategyguides.com. Keep listening, keep learning, and keep trading your way to victory. Until next time.